Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 63. I want to thank you for taking the time to stop into this podcast. Um, I pray that it ministers to your heart, um, stimulates you to pursue the Lord, um, and maybe moves you in a direction with Him that perhaps you've never experienced, or maybe it's rejuvenating uh, to you what you've once had. So, I pray that it does what it needs to do, um, that the Lord uses it for his purposes and intentions. Um, Before I jump into this particular episode, uh, you may have noticed in the past couple days, um, there has been some um, advertisement insertions. So first of all, um, as I navigated that process, um, if if particular advertisements came on that uh, were not befitting uh, this type of podcast, I apologize. Um, as I'm navigating that, help uh, bear with me um, as I'm learning that process. Um, also, I really want to shy away from just kind of automated, inserted advertisements. Um, there is a monetary benefit to them, but um, I, I don't want to compromise the integrity of this particular platform that the Lord has uh, kind of breathed on and uh, enabled me to have. So um, I'm really just kind of altogether shying away from some of these automated inserted advertisements. So as as that as the kinks work its way out of those, um, again, ahead of time, uh, apologize if any of those have come across offensive um, and I am working to get those out uh, so that we can jump right into material and no one's having to navigate through advertisements in which no one really cares for um, much, myself included. So just to touch on that, um, today I've, I guess, titled this uh, Awakening Desire. I was with the Lord in in listening to his name's Andrew Murray uh, he's a he's a writer um, he's went on to be with the Lord if you've never heard of him I I couldn't uh, recommend his stuff more to you um, he's just a prolific writer uh, a lover of God and uh, he has a, a plethora of books that he's published uh, again he's no longer with us um, but it, I would definitely encourage you to check out his material, and uh, it's uh, that's kind of where some of this spawned out of. As I was listening, he used, I believe this this phrasing, uh, "awakening desire," and and that really just kind of stopped me in my tracks. And oftentimes, when the Lord wants to share a thing with me. I will get that kind of, you know, that impact of something will just hit me. And so I've learned in the moment to respond. And, and so I just pause the audiobook as I was listening to it and begin to chew on that phrase, awakening desire. And one of 
if I had to probably quantify or generalize, maybe is a better word, the heart's desire of mine, it's to to walk people into this place in God to where they they see him um, in a new light they in in essence their desire is awakened Jesus gave himself the kind of illustration of being the gate and he's the way and one of the things that i believe that we each each one of us not just not just preachers and not just teachers and but each one of us as his children we are enabled to be if you will gatekeepers and we get to through the gate called Christ we get to help push people into the way and and they can then be ushered into this uh, we'll call it a pasture good pasture to where they can have one-on-one encounter with the shepherd the the good shepherd uh, Jesus the Christ and and so I, I think that's very much a part of what we see with John the Baptist. He was, you know, this herald um, that w- was proclaiming this one. And so we each get the opportunity to do that, to to herald, to proclaim. And and it looks different for each one of us. It's it's not a cookie cutter thing. So we're each enabled to be this proclaimer. And my hope in my own personal day-to-day life, you know, we can call it ministry and, and sometimes we get caught up on that word and we think it's this official thing, but each of us, each of us have a ministry. You know, we, we, we work regular jobs and do regular things, but we each have a ministry. And so as I, as I myself want to steward the ministry that, that God has put before me, um, the heart's desire of mine is to help awaken people to desire. And so as I began to, to think on a passage that, that I was listening to Andrew Murray, I began to do some to record some and and so I want to kind of navigate my way through that. If there is time, I may do um, a kind of an add-on to that to something that I had written uh, for a previous meeting that I'd had, which I think kind of segues pretty nicely into this if time allows. But um, back to back to my my desire for awakening desire <laughs> um i was brought to this passage uh, in the old testament second kings chapter 6 and we find that elisha is frustrating the king of aram 
and they were at war with Israel. And Elisha was being, he was, he was being made privy to the secrets. God was showing him, revealing to him the secrets of this king of Aram. And so he was frustrating the king because he was a step ahead of him in every turn. Um, and so the, the king of Aram goes to, to uh, capture Elisha. And we'll start in uh, verse 13. It says, Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Verse 16, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So this is really, I think, encapsulates um, what, what my desire is for each and every one of you. This is not to say that, that you don't see. Uh, this is to say my desire is to be an instrument that the Lord uses to help you engage in seeing even more or maybe seeing newly the things of God. So that's kind of an introduction, kind of long-winded as I typically can be. But today we talk about awakening desire. So as you think about in your own personal life, if I was to ask you, to acknowledge whether or not that you find yourself in, in a place of desiring God. I would be curious to find what your response would be. But it is a very crucial answer to come to. And the text that actually is uh, coming with this discussion is John sixteen twenty two. And it says, Jesus, Jesus here is talking. He's talking to his disciples just before his death. He tells them that they, they will grieve, but they will see him again and they will rejoice. So the verse reads, so with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. Now, this is it's very easy and I, and I've read I've read this passage numerous times and and I've never seen it through this light before but I believe that when he's telling them that they will grieve 
but they will see him again and they will rejoice. I believe this verse is a key that unlocks an enormous door. And this key reveals to us that it's when we see Jesus that we find joy, that we are able to rejoice. If I was then again to ask you, could you de- to describe your relationship with God? Do you describe it as one of joy, one of uh, rejoicing? Now, I've experienced a share of disappointment, frustration, bitterness uh, in this life. This is not to suggest that we don't go through life unaffected by the world, but we do go through life unmoved by the world. We can be so connected to the reality of God, it surpasses our understanding. So when we say that you will see me again, right back to the text, you will see me again and you will rejoice. The key that I believe that this is revealing is that it takes a seeing Jesus This is you seeing him, you perceiving him to experience joy. And experiencing that joy, I believe it also translates into this awakening desire. Many of us have been in church long enough to know some of these particular buzzwords. And if you're not careful, you fall into the very easy trap of hearing the phrase, seeing Jesus, and you allow that to just become another church phrase that we very often hear. But if you give yourself to consider what that means, seeing Jesus, I think you can come to a very meaningful definition, very meaningful understanding, especially when you look at it in light of the disciples' context. You see, Jesus is telling them that you are grieving, you will grieve, you will be in this place of grieving when I'm gone. And there he's speaking of his death. But when you see me again, you will rejoice. Now, this is not just hyperbole of seeing Jesus. When you see him, like when you fix your eyes upon him, there is something I think much more literal, substantially more. This is and encountering him. Because if his disciples were just making this kind of broader statement of when we fix our eyes upon you, then the one who has passed from life into death, when we fix our eyes upon you, then we will rejoice. No, this is an explicit experience of encounter, when you encounter him again, because remember, they're grieving because he's gone, he's dead. 
or in this case, he will be. But their joy will come when he passes from death into life. So when you experience him again, you will rejoice is what he's saying. So what did it take for his disciples to experience joy? It was to experience Jesus. They had to come into a place of encounter. So the best way that I know this encountering Jesus aspect, it's a very mystical thing sounding to encounter Jesus. What does that mean to encounter him? The best way I know how to explain it is much like he explained it to Thomas. When Thomas said, no, I will not believe unless I put my hands in the wounds on his hand and his side, I will not believe. And so Jesus says to Thomas later, he says, come, put your hands on my hands, put your hands on in my side, feel the scars, the imprints, the wounds, and believe. When we encounter Jesus, we experience him in such a real way that our doubts are put to death. We hear him. We see him, perhaps in the literal or see the indirectness of him. We feel him. We have all these sensory abilities. And in these sensory abilities, we have the opportunity to witness the reality, the realness of him. And many times our lack of the revelation of God stems from our lack of encountering God. I think that's I think that is a critical statement, a very important one. Our inability to understand, to uh, sympathize, our lack of revelation of God stems from a lack of encountering God. Remember, Jesus told his disciples one day when they pointed out to him that, Master, these people are casting out devils and doing all these things, but they are not with us. And so we told them to stop. And Jesus corrects them and he says, no one can having done these things in my name can then speak badly about me. Because when you think about that, they are actually disarmed from um, discrediting Christ or maybe disacknowledging him because those people saw the reality of the power of his name. And, and that is what many of us lack in our Christian faith, in our walk. We lack an experience of God. And an, an experience of God is very much personal. It's very much specific, tailor-made by God for us each to encounter him. It's not a one-size-fits-all cookie-cutter 
Uh, nor is it a one and done encountering God. It's a journey of a life submitted to encountering and experiencing God. Nor does it necessarily take the shape of one aspect or another. It's very fluid and and ultimately it's a it relies upon the the sovereign will and grace of God. But it does require a willingness to be open to the leading of the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit makes God real to us. This is why the, this is why one reason why, many reasons why, but this is one reason why that the Holy Spirit is so important in our day-to-day walk, in our life, in our Christian faith. Life without the Holy Spirit, for one, without the Holy Spirit, there, there is no quickening of our spirit. There is no life without the Spirit of God. But it's the Holy Spirit that makes knowing God possible. When we, either out of our naiveness or... Um, very gently, I say, in our ignorance, many people believe, they can believe for the Holy Spirit to do a transformative work of sanctification, regeneration, some of these intangible things that over the course of time happens to us or even in moments of encounter, some of us can believe more easily for those types of things which can produce a tangible fruit, but it's really an intangible work. We can't lay our hands on the transformative uh, product of sanctification, regeneration. There is an extension of those things. But many of us have no problem uh, believing God for those things, for these intangible works of the Spirit. But many people will then struggle with other areas of the work of the Spirit of God. They, many people will fail to make the transition from that aspect to the other aspect of the Holy Spirit of making God real to us because it very often puts us in a place of vulnerability. Think back, think back to when Israel is encountering God at Mount Sinai. The thunders, the rumblings, the fire, the smoke, and everyone says, Moses, you speak to God and you tell us what he said. We will die. We cannot approach him. And so God affirms what they said and lets it be. And I think many of us do that very thing as it relates to encountering God through the Holy Spirit. Remember, 
the Holy Spirit makes God real to us. This makes us vulnerable. And there is a requirement to come before God boldly, but also in humility, in honesty, and in a reverent fear. They, we must tear down barriers to approach God. See, this is what Adam and Eve did in the garden. When, when they sinned, they cover themselves and they are distant from God. And when, when God says, where are you, Adam? It's not that God doesn't know where he is. I believe he's saying that to say, why aren't you near me? Because you're always near me. Where, why are you not here where you normally are? And so because of the vulnerability, because of the, our willingness to come nakedly before God, you know, with no, with no masks, with no, with no covering. We come as we are to him. So we have to approach him with a willingness to however he desires to reveal himself to us by the Spirit. Many in religious circles have exploited, misrepresented, or poorly represented the heart of God and the desire of God through the Holy Spirit. It is by the scriptures that he has shown to us that it is the Holy Spirit that reveals to us the things, the deep things of God. And this is not just to speak of revelation itself, although that is an aspect, the deep things of God sounds very revelatory. And, and absolutely, it is the Holy Spirit that reveals to us the, the, the mysteries, the deep things of God, things that in which we do not understand he sheds light on. But it is God, the Holy Spirit, making God, the Father, real to us. So God is making God real to us by the Spirit. And by making himself real to us through the Spirit of God, we need and we must encounter and experience God through more than just shoulds and ought to. I believe that when we make room for God to reveal himself to our individual hearts, that we please him. So how can we experience joy? Remember the verse, Jesus says, now is your time of grief, but I will see, um, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice. So we think about how can we experience joy? It's 
it's through seeing Jesus laying hold of him in experience, laying hold of him in encounter. Seeing Jesus gives us joy. Seeing Jesus awakens desire. Think of it this way in the natural. If you don't know how much you love chocolate, you don't desire chocolate. It's not until you taste it and then you realize, I love this and I want more of it. Interestingly, when you abstain, when you fast sweets, oftentimes you, you, you start to lose that craving for it. When you fast it, you separate yourself from it. You detach the entanglement of that thing. I believe there is a spiritual reality in that, is that the more we take of, the more we desire. If, if you assess the desire in your heart and you would say to yourself, I feel that my desire is either non-existent or is much less than I would want it to be or I love the direction that I'm going, but I want more. If you fall into any one of those categories, I believe that the Lord is excited to help you on that journey. And I believe that the purpose of this word is to call something in you, something in your innermost being to come forward, to come forth to this place of desire. And I believe that I, by the help of the Holy Spirit, am to awaken this desire in you that you may not even realize is there. It at first can seem very daunting. Like, how could this even be? I want what you're speaking of, but I have no idea how to obtain it. And and I would say in response to that, that's perfect. It's actually better that way. If you come in the to forward in this and say, Oh, I've got this figured out. I know exactly what I need to do. You've you've got uh, you've got a ways to go. But if you can come forward and say, I have no idea how to do this, but I want I want this thing called awakening desire. I want to behold Jesus. I want to taste and see that he is good. And then in doing so, my desire for more of him is awakened. So when we step forward in that, we tell the Lord, this is what we want. But as I continue to come to him, I have to trust that I have no ability to make this happen. I can't work it into effect. I can't strive hard enough to get it. But I will just continue to come. Relationship is about nearness, about time and exposure to the one that you're in relationship with. We, what we can offer is a faithful pursuing 
And even in times when we don't faithfully pursue him, he faithfully pursues us. His grace is greater than anything we can imagine. But there is something that is pleasing to the heart of God. When you pursue him, he pursues you even greater. So my encouragement to you is if you feel that you are not satisfied in the desire that you have, whether it's none, little, or lot, but you want more, I would say continue or initially press out, um, step forward into time with him, whether that's a little or a lot, in the moments that you have, in the commutes of your day to work, in the lunch breaks that you have, in the bathroom breaks that you have, whatever it is, steal away those little moments of pursuing him and ask and depend on him to breathe on the desire in your heart for him. And he will fan that possibly little smoldering flame into a roaring fire. And just like the chocolate of tasting it and realizing I like this and I want more, so too will the Spirit of God awaken awaken a desire in you to pursue Him more relentlessly. So I think this is all that we'll have time for today. Um, I want to thank you for taking the time. I pray that it was an encouragement and a blessing. I hope it points you in a wonderful direction that you're able to move forward with it. Um, and just as a, a kind of closing reminder, uh, the my newest book, Spiritual Identity, is out available on Amazon. The link will be in the description. I believe it's um, an important word for our day. I pray that it blesses you should you pursue it. And thank you for taking the time today. God bless. If it means that I'm close to you, I would trade a million lifetimes for a moment here with you.